Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Grab your little, grab your your booklets if you don't mind. Let's go ahead and get into it. I do want to, oh, I want to say one more thing. Um, Thank you for your support. Um, Grab your booklets. Let's stand together. We're going to read it together. and we're going to just go through this. But I want to say one more thing. Thank you for your support, text messages, uh, Facebook messages. Yesterday I represented you guys out in Goliad. And um, I was able to ride 63.5 miles in four and a half hours. Yeah, in four and a half hours. That, I remember the day when I rode six miles and it took me five hours to do that. But through persistence and a drive and, a, and the intention to be healthy so we can be effective in our pastoral ministry and be here for many more years to come. And I want to see some grandkids grow up too. Uh, we were doing it. But here's the cool thing. Yesterday I had a black jersey on. In the very back I had this logo and it said Riverside Church. So in the very beginning of the race, like anything else, I started off really slow, intentionally, just to kind of get my rhythm. And I let a lot of people, about 50% of the people, pass me up. So everyone saw this big guy like a bear on a bike with this logo on the back. 50% of the people saw it the first time. But after 60 miles, I opened it wide open and took off again. And those that saw it the first time got to see it again. So at least 50% of the race, 50% of the people saw this logo two times. Two times yesterday. It was good marketing. And I told, I'm telling you, it was just a great opportunity for us to represent Riverside Church. Maybe God may move on some of your hearts to start biking with me. Maybe we can do a team. But you know what? The future's bright and it's exciting. And uh, I was just honored to do that. So let's grab our booklets here. Thank you for supporting us. Hebrews chapter 7. Let me shift gears right now and get into pastoral mode. I um, honestly am so excited about this. I don't have a lot of time, but I want to slow down and I want to be able to convey this word. Let's read in our booklets. Hebrews 7 compares Jesus to Melchizedek, a priest forever without lineage. Abraham paid honor and tithes to Melchizedek, and by doing so, the Levitical priesthood was blessed by him as Levi was still inside of Abraham. And I'm going to explain that. It's very deep. In this fashion, Jesus is also a priest forever like Melchizedek. However, he is not of the tribe of Levi, and uh, with a change in priesthood, there must also be a change in the law. And Jesus has proven his priesthood by his indestructible life. Because of this, he is able to save completely those who draw near to God through him since he is always alive and intercedes for them, for all of us. Chapter 7 is a very relevant scripture in the book of Hebrews. And if you grab your Bibles with me right now, we're going to read just a couple of chapters or a couple of <laughs> verses. We're almost done. You stood longer in the taco line, so don't, don't worry. Genesis 14, verse 14 says this. And I'm reading out of the New King James. Genesis 14 and 14 says, Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. When in pursuit as far as Dan, he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shavai, and that is the king's valley after his return from defeating Chedar Lamar. And the kings were, were the, who were with him. But then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and the wine. He was the priest of the Most High. And he blessed him and said, watch this, blessed be Abram of God Most High. 
possessor of heaven and earth. The subject title for today in this chapter is going to be called Living with Our New High Priest. Living with Our New High Priest. Since you've been standing, just a quick God bless this service. Will you just say it? God bless this service today. Now give Jesus one more hand clap and tell him thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for giving me a mind to receive. Thank you in Jesus' name. You could be seated and can be seated. I, I, I want to slow down and talk and give you a deeper understanding about your position in the kingdom and your benefit of having a high priest. We don't really understand the concept as Gentiles. Um, coming from a religious background, I, was, I grew up personally, I grew up for 19 years in the Roman Catholic Church. And that's where I was raised. That's where I learned about um, priests. So I kind of get it, in a sense, to have that identity. And it's so important to grab a hold of the true culture of the Hebrews. Because when you and I were saved, we were now invested into the kingdom of God. And now the kingdom is made up of both Jew and Greek, or those that were of the Jewish nation by blood, and those that were afar off, strangers. You and I are the strangers. You and I have been brought into this. And every blessing that they have ever received was based on their lineage. Everything that Abraham did. Because of what Jesus has done for you, spiritually now you are a recipient of the promises of God concerning Israel. Study that a little bit closer. You are the spiritual Israel of God made up of two kinds of people. Jew and Gentile. We don't understand high priest talk, though. We don't. We understand going to church. We understand having a pastor or going to church with a pastor or going to a worship service. But we need to grab a hold of the fact that in the kingdom of God, when you're born again and when you are saved and when you start to attend, it goes way further than just having a man talk to you. Because I'm not a high priest. I'm a priest like you are. But I've been called to shepherd a group of people and to lead them as I'm being led. So there's someone over me, above me. He is our high priest. When you look at this a little bit closer, Abraham, you look at Abraham, and the story says it in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. You can read that a little bit closer, and I'm going to skim through it. They're gonna, if you want to look at it, you can, but I'm going to skim through it for time's sake to build a quick foundation of what we're really going to talk about. Having a high priest in his life, in Abraham's life, having a high priest there like Melchizedek, to bless him was a huge deal as far as, as his destiny was concerned. Abraham had been given promises. Abraham was already a follower of God. Abraham followed God. But the fact that Abraham, after he had conquered the kings... And those that were against him and his, had his brother in captivity, although they were there, there was something about him that caused him to honor God with the first fruits of what he had gathered by giving it to Melchizedek. And the scripture says it, if you read it in Hebrews chapter 7, that God would then raise up from the offspring of David a Levitical priesthood that would carry out the ceremonies and the tradition on behalf of Israel. 
later on, God would raise up Moses. And Moses was given the plans to the tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, structure and systematic laws and things that were there set in place. He had a high priest from the Levitical priesthood and the priests that were there. Aaron being the first high priest. When you look at this, the reason why Israel, were, they were so successful in defeating all of their enemies is because of that governmental, covenantal system called the tabernacle and the priest who functioned in it. They honored God. They gave first fruits. They would go through ceremonial practices by the shedding of the blood. And then after all of those systems by the sin offering, the blood offering, the, 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 the different sacrifices that were made, then the priest could step into a holy place in which the high priest would step in once a year after all had been done correctly and begin to intercede for the people on behalf of the people and talk to God and they would be forgiven of their sins and the blessings of God would remain upon them. You and I don't understand that. But if you're going to go deeper into a relationship with God in this new covenant, you must understand this. Because the scripture says now that Jesus has become our high priest. I'm going to move on to the first point, but I'm going to build on it even more. Jesus is our high priest. Number one, point number one. But let me back up and show you how important it was for God to bring in a man by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek doesn't have a lineage. There are ten really fascinating facts about Melchizedek that he's only mentioned in three books of the Bible, and he's found in the book of Hebrews like eight times. So in this book that we're reading, it's mentioned over and over because in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the tabernacle. It talks about the high priest. Why? More than any other place because it was the book to the Hebrews. They understood it. And now they were making transition from an old covenant to a new covenant. And everything they had experienced under an old covenant, God was trying to tell them, I've not done away with it, but I fulfilled it in Christ. But Melchizedek was the, really the, the head scratcher of, of the book. Because Melchizedek, most scholars even debate this still, who he really was. It says that he, he was without beginning and without end. He was a contemporary during Abraham's time. That means that he was living during his time. He, he had no record of family he had no beginning and no end. He was the high priest for that time during Abraham's time. He's the one who gave the blessings out. And he was also called the, the king of Salem or the king of peace and the king of righteousness as well. He was royal. He was everlasting. And that gets confusing to many. But the scripture didn't say he was the son of God. The scripture said he was likened unto the son of God. Or he was very resembled, he resembled the Son of God. Meaning that in the same fashion that he, Jesus came into the world, he came in the same type of fashion. Jesus was born into a virgin, but yet he had no spiritual beginning or end. But Melchizedek just kind of popped up on the scene. No one knew anything about him. He was here for one moment and gone the next. It's recorded that he was here in under an old covenant. God went through all the trouble, and I don't want to debate whether he was an angel or whether he was Jesus incarnated. It doesn't, to me, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that God went through the trouble to make a man 
look exactly what his son would be in the future. And to establish that kind of priesthood, there would never be another person like that again until Jesus Christ. That tells me how important it is to God. And so Jesus being our high priest, he has to qualify for being the high priest. And here are some of the things that we need to consider. You have a high priest, but how do you know Jesus is the high priest? Well, every high priest has to be able to teach the law. Has to be able to convey the commandments of God. When you read the Bible, Jesus taught in many places the Sermon on the Mount. He was taught by the Spirit of God, and he knew the Word of God. He knew the law. He would sit with the scribes and the Pharisees and sit with those of the law, and he would talk to them at a young age, and the Scripture talks about this. But Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Matthew 12, uh, 1 through 12, Mark chapter 12, 1 through 12, you'll find it in in the Gospels. Jesus was a teacher. In fact, John chapter 3, it was Nicodemus who came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, or teacher, the high priest, according to an old covenant, had to be able to convey and communicate God's divine will. That was another qualification. He was a communicator of God's divine will. Jesus said, John chapter 5, read it. He said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. The high priest had to be appointed by God. Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 10, was appointed by God. And God designated him to be high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In the order of. Write that down, Hebrews 5 and 10, you'll find it. But here's another special quality that the high priest had to have. He had to have been the firstborn male. Of the right lineage, Jesus, John chapter 3 verse 16, was the only begotten of the Father, the firstborn male of God's children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The high priest also, through the ritualistic practices, had to also be washed. He could not step into that place without the washing and the cleansing. You'll find this in Exodus 29 and 4. This practice. But why do you think Jesus Christ was baptized? Not because he had sin in his life, but because it was an act of obedience and he was called to be high priest. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened up on top of his baptism. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Not a dove, because a lot of people think that there's a dove in heaven. There's not a dove in heaven. The scripture says that the spirit descended like a dove. And the only reason why the spirit descended like a dove on John is because the Lord told John that it would be given to him as a sign to know who the Messiah was. It was a sign. But Jesus was washed. And the high priest had to be anointed. Like David was anointed by Samuel, the high priest had to be called by the laying on of the hands by those in authority, but the scripture says this in Exodus chapter 20, 29 and 7. But the scripture also says in Hebrews 1 and 9 that God anointed Jesus. God has anointed him and he put on him. He said, therefore, O God, your, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. In other words, God himself anointed Jesus And the word Christ actually means anointed one. It wasn't his last name. It was what God did and was doing. And then finally, I leave you this one with the attributes and why Jesus was the high priest. And he qualified for it was because 
He was to be, every high priest was the mediator between God and his people. And listen to what 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Give Jesus the praise right there. You, uh, so in our eyes, we have to know that Jesus was more than qualified, but he had gone through a pattern of preparation, and everything in his life was for the fulfilling of his calling, not just as king, but high king and high priest, both king and priest. That's why David was a type of Jesus, because Jesus was king and priest, but David was also king and priest as well and acted as prophet. The typology is so, so uh, significant to us. So now we know that's what Jesus was, and that's who he is to us, an eternal high priest. There's so much more to this. See, if we understand that through salvation, through the blood of Jesus, you see, that blood, where does that come into play in the Old Covenant? It, it came into play in the tabernacle when God said, before you ever do anything, bring me the firstlings of your flock and give them as an offering. And the blood had to be shed. And the scripture says they did this all the time. It was, it was a continual process. But God said that's enough of the burning and, and the cutting and the shed blood of animals is not doing anything. I'm going to send my only begotten son and he's going to be without sin and he's going to become the Lamb of God that takes the sin of the world away. And therefore the priests would have to wash themselves afterwards and they would have to prepare themselves and go in before they went into the holy place. But God said, you know what? Water can only do so much, but I'm still going to let you get wet, but in my eyes, you're going to be cleansed. That's why you and I are baptized. You and I are baptized, and we go down into a watery grave just like Jesus was baptized, but the Scripture says it like this. It was a type of burial for us, meaning that the old man has been washed away and buried, and we are to rise again to the newness of life. That's what baptism is. It's an act of God in the Spirit. I saw some of you wanted to give a clap. You can clap if you want to. God, you're clapping to God, not me. So somebody give him some praise. If you've ever tried to wonder what your baptism was, baptism is not just getting wet. Baptism was a part of an old covenant, but a new covenant now God is establishing. You see, you are called a priest now. He's our high priest. I'm a priest. But you're a priest. We've been called to be kings and priests. But as a priest, you still have to go through everything that the priest had to go through. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he was buried. And that's why he was resurrected. You see, the resurrection was... This is going to get deep. So, The resurrection was... Another extension of what God was going to do under a new covenant. The holy place where the Spirit of God abided. So through the resurrection, the, in the Spirit of God coming out, facing everything that had been done to him through action, he said, there is no devil, there is no sin, and there is no grave that can hold me down. Did you know that the Spirit of God inside of you is so powerful, that God's Spirit is so powerful that no one or nothing can stop Him from becoming victorious in your life? If you let Him. So Jesus went to the cross. When we come to God through repentance and say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Lord, be the Lord of my life. We are in the eyes of God experiencing Calvary. Not the pain, not the anguish, but the mercy. When we are water baptized, we are doing what the priests have gone through, being washed from the blood, washed from the past, and having been cleansed, calling us into the presence of God next. But you're not just getting wet. You're getting identified, and you take on the name of Christ in that water, and you're buried just like Jesus was buried. See, that's what he was doing. 
when he went through the cross, went through the burial and the resurrection, he was actually preparing a roadmap and a direction for you to follow so you all can become priests. And how do we go into the holy place? Through the Holy Ghost. When you're baptized in the Spirit and you experience God, you're now in communion with God. And in that holy place, there was a two-segment, two, two, two a partition and two places in the tabernacle. You see, you got to understand, you may be from Mexico, South Texas, from Europe. I don't know what your DNA package said when you got it. Right? But according to the Bible, you are a spiritual Jew. Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the man that was here on this earth was Jewish. And you have received the Spirit of Christ. But beyond that, a child of God. When you have the Spirit of God in your life, you are now as a priest able to work with the high priest. And both of them are in the holy place and the holy of holies. I wish I had a structure to show you exactly what that was. I'll probably do that soon for you. But go look up the wilderness tabernacle and see the whole, the outline, the blueprints. Now you as a priest have the ability to walk into that place. But here's what happens next. This is the part that's amazing. So how many of you got the first point? Jesus is our high priest. How many of you got the second thought that you are a priest? You are a priest. That's probably the part you're struggling with. You're a priest in the eyes of God. What did the priest do? The priest had to continually go in to the holy place, and he had to give incense, offer them up to God on a regular basis. That was a type of prayer. He had to keep the lights lit in the menorah, the candlesticks that had oil on the inside and the wick that was out. They had to continually be led. The wicks actually came from the robes to the high priest of the priest. When they were done, they would rip them, make that into the wick, and keep them lit. Everything was used, had to be first sanctified. And then there was the shoe bread, 12 breads. And God said, I want you to eat a bread, a loaf of bread from every tribe to remind you that I'm the one that has blessed you to remind you that you have what you have because of me. I'm your provider. So the priest was responsible for giving continual prayer to getting continual guidance and to continually give up thanksgiving as a priest to the Most High. But when that was done right, on the other side of the wall, the high priest would make intercession and God would hear because the priests were doing their part. See, the high priest, our high priest, has already done his part. He's waiting on us to do ours. Point number two, this is what I want to get into. I want to talk about when the high priest blesses you. Here's the story now. I've said all that to say this. When Abraham, he was actually called Abram. Abram, after he had children, and he was blessed. He was then called Abraham. Or in the, in the Hebrew, it would be called Abraham. Ham, the ham comes from the vocabulary of the Hebrew language of the H, meaning the breath of God. Ham. That God breathed into his life and blessed him. That's why it was called, he was called that. When you look a little bit closer, and in Hebrews chapter 7, he said, Now, I need Abraham to understand that when I blessed him, I blessed his seed. And through his blessing that what he did, it carried on to five generations. That when Levi now becomes a priest, when the Levitical priesthood of the sons of the patriarchs, 
are now there. In the eyes of God, Levi already paid his tithes because he was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham tithed. Powerful. You know, the scripture says that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers unto the third and to the fourth generation. That you can actually be living and reaping what your family has sown. But when Jesus becomes part of your life, the high priest breaks the cycle. And now you're now carrying on the blessings of Abraham through Jesus Christ in your life. I want to show you the chart. Let me show you the chart really quickly. Here's actually what happened. I want to show you. Abraham paid his tithe. And keep in mind, the tithe was before the law. And Jacob, Jacob actually, who was two generations down from Abraham, the Scripture says that even Jacob paid tithes, but even before Moses was born and the law was established. So tithing is not a part of the law. It was before the law. It was a lifestyle. Why? Because God was teaching them the principle of first fruits. I'm going to show you. But this is how far it goes. In the eyes of God, the children that were inside of Abraham, because he gave in the eyes of God, he set up the next generation for blessings. Count how many there are after Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, then Levi. Five generations after that. Not, and it doesn't stop there. Everyone else was blessed. And even down to David, even up to Jesus, and now into your life. All because of what Abraham did at that moment. God said, I'm going to bless you and your seed. And he said, well, how, how, you know, can you imagine? I'm so old. How can I have a child? God told Abraham, guess what, Abraham? Look up in the sky. And if you can count the stars, you can count your children. Look at the beach. Look at the shore. If you can count the granules of sand, you can count how many offspring and children you're going to have. But by your one simple act, I had to use you, Abraham, to bless your seed and the rest of my people. God ordained Abraham and brought Melchizedek, a man that no one knew where he came from, how he left, but was a type of Christ. He brought him in just for Abraham to be blessed for you and I. Future generations to come. It's just the most interesting thing to look at. But if you ever grab a hold of it, you see, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. The priest who collect the tithes are the men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that the Levites, the ones who collected the tithe, paid a tithe through Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid tithe to him. For although Levi was not yet born, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. Now here's what you have to grab a hold of. When we worship God, when we recognize what the government of God is and how the covenant has been established and that the tabernacle has not done, been done away with, that you and I now are actually the tabernacle, the temple of God. And we actually have not just any ark, but the ark of his presence inside of us, and we have the high priest inside of us, and we are the priest, and through our relationship, we interact with that, and if we 
bless the high priest and give as unto the Lord, how much more will the high priest who is named as Jesus Christ will be able to bless us and bless our children and bless our children's children and bless our children's children's children and carry on this thing for multi-generations to come. Multi-generations. A multi-generational blessing. You want to know something, mom and dad? Let me tell you why it's so good to understand first fruits. Here are the three, write this down. Here are the three channels of giving. Through talent, time, time number one. Number one is time. Number two is talent. Number three is treasure. These are the three elements of giving. Time, talent, treasure. And you'll receive blessings from God in this area. Time, talent, and treasure. You see, most of the time when we give on our treasure, God can choose to bless us with time or with skill, wisdom, understanding, to know how to do something. That's what God does. That's why some of you have the ability to think the way you do, to, to have a specific skill the way you do. I, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll share something really unique with you, that I was the guy that the teacher would call on and in school, to read out loud, and 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 read read read, read like like did, did did this. But when God gave me His Spirit and I got saved, I started reading that Bible, and the Holy Ghost started to rewire my brain, and He gave me the ability to talk and the ability to know, the ability to understand. I wasn't this smart. I'm not that smart. I just know what he's saying because I have a line there, and I've learned how to be a priest. I've learned how to be a priest, to give continual incense before the Lord and keep the lamps lit, the wisdom of God, the Word of God. And I'll never forget where I come from because I live off the blessings of God in my life, so I stay in the holy place. I'm not holy. I'm only able to enter in because I've got the blood of Jesus on my life like the priest had to have in their life, but now we live in this place. But what's so so supernatural and so awesome about this, I get to have communion with the high priest. You want to know it was a type of this. Listen to this. This just came to me. When Melchizedek came to Abraham, guess what he had on him? Bread and wine. A type of communion. Jesus sat with his disciples and had the bread and the wine and said, I won't have this again with you until I have it in my Father's kingdom with you. In other words, the communion that we have is a continual process of fellowship of the body of Christ and the forgiveness that comes through his blood that qualifies us to sit at the table. In other words, you don't have to have the right last name. You don't have to have the right bank account. You don't have to have the right car. You don't have to have the right clothes. You just have to have the blood in your life that enables you, and you have to have a high priest. A high priest that says, I want to commune with you. I want to sit with you. I want to talk with you. I want to help you. And you feel like, oh, I'm not qualified. Yeah, you are. If you've been saved, if you've been water baptized, if you've got a spirit, let me tell you something. You have now, by faith in your life, gone through the rituals of God's commandments and ordinances to become a priest of God and commune with him. This thing is real, folks. And for all of us Gentiles sitting here and watching online, and I'm trying to speak, and I may give a little church jargon today, but bear with me because we have to understand our culture as God's people. I'm not telling you to go buy a menorah, a manure, a, not manure, manure. <laughs> Don't go buy manure right now. It's too high. But anyways, don't go buy a menorah. It's not going to do you any good. It's cool to have, maybe. But that was a type of anointing and the wisdom and the word of God. You want to hear something phenomenal? You know when John, am I going too deep? Is this okay? Y'all are just quiet on me, but you're listening, right? When John 
was in the spirit on the Lord's day, in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, the scripture says that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he turned and saw one dressed in white robes. And he saw the seven golden candlesticks. You know where he was in the spirit? In the holy place. Where the high priest met him. And he was in that place with the seven golden candlesticks in the spirit. In other words, John was the priest going in continually praying. And then he came into the tabernacle. He was the tabernacle. But in his spirit, he was there. Is this too much? I'm telling you, everyone, this is the real deal. If you get a revelation to understand who you really are and who he really is, you'll find the blessings in your life. Here's the misconception about giving, whether it's through time, talent, or treasure. Here's the biggest misconception. First of all, no one should ever feel pressured to tithe. No one. You are in the wrong church if you're given a guilt trip, being forced to, and not taught why. We teach why and we let the Holy Ghost make you, help you make the decision. I'm teaching right now because Jesus never forces anybody to do anything. But if we don't properly teach it, why? Then we're depriving you of a blessing and your full potential. And not just you, you but generational blessings. I know people that don't go by the 10%, they go to 20. <laughs> J.C. Penney, I think they're fixing to close in town, but when he was alive, he would pay 90, lift off the 10. How many of you heard that story? When you think about this, here's the misconception. Tithing is a, a sign of good management. Because everything we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. But a very generous God says, you can have 90% of everything, but 10% belongs to me. Why? Because the first fruits. And if it belongs to God and you have it in your possession, it can become a curse unto you. And it, be, it can hurt you more than harm you. How do I know that? Okay, I'll explain it to you. Did you know that Jesus was the firstborn of God? He was God's tithe into the world. And God he gave his only begotten son. And he gave him up for all of us. That's why Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. That's how come God had to test Abraham. Abraham taking Isaac up to the mountaintop to see him and put him as an offering was just a test. But in the New Testament, he had to repeat the test again, but this time God said, Abraham, I will never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself, but I'm going to give my son this time. I'm going to give him holy. He's going to be the first fruit, and because I'm going to pay tithes on this, I'm going to bless the 90% left. Case in point, you know, when God gave the promised land, God gave the promised land, and the first place they went to was Jericho. Jericho was the first city of the promised land. But God said, do not take anything from that city. It's mine. It'll be a curse unto you if you keep it. Joshua said, okay. But Achan... A man who was there saw the treasure, saw everything that was good for living. He took it and hid it in his tent. Plague, a plague broke out. Family trouble. Things weren't working right. You mean all because of that? It wasn't the money. It was the principle. It's never about the money. God doesn't need your money. You need his blessing, but you also, God is wanting to get your heart. It's a principle. Aiken confessed, I'm the one. God had to demolish that. 
Then, after that happened, their enemies had no power over them. You see, we have the misconception, the notion, the idea that because we give materially or through finance, we think that we receive financial blessings. That's not the case. Many times it comes in the form of protection. Many times it comes in the form of networking and ideas. The channels, the skills, the time. God will value and gives you more time that you need, gives you rest and things. Why? Not because you don't buy your way into the kingdom. You don't buy your way. God doesn't need your money. It's the principle of having something that belongs to him. That's why in the morning I give him the first part of my day, right? That's why in the first of the week, that's why you're here on a Sunday, because Sunday is the first week according to the Jewish calendar, and we are here to give God the first fruits of our week so the rest of it can be blessed. That's a, but, this, but this is not a, a superstitious kind of approach to it. This is a principle, a heart condition, a thing that we do with intention to know that we belong to him and everything we have is his. So when I give my part, it's not because I want a blessing. But first of all, it's because I have to be a good steward of what God has given me. Can I share a story with you? God gave me an understanding of this. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to help you understand this. Let me talk about me now. Let me bring up some of my faults, some of my shortcomings. So you'll, you can relate and say, hey, this may be happening to me and it might be happening to you. So I was in prayer and I felt the Lord tell me, you really got to look at your finances. And I said to God, I don't spend a whole lot. I don't think I do at least right? He said, you need to give it a granular look. And I said, okay. I called my wife and my wife knows I never check with our finances. Am I right? Can you say something so that everybody can hear? <laughs> need proof. need a witness. But I don't. I really don't because I trust the people that I have there to do the job. And I said, what do we have expenses on? What's going on here and there? And, and she said, well, we got this account with Apple, iTunes, uh, the App Store, and we had like a hundred and something going out of it. I said, a hundred and something from what? And I went a little bit deeper, had to go to YouTube. I'm not the technical person here. My kids are. I know enough. The stuff that I knew is now outdated. They know all the new stuff. I used to be sharp like that, but I'm not like that anymore. So I had my son show me, how do I go through here? What do I do? And I looked, and there were apps, applications that I had downloaded a year ago and tried one time. They've been charging me every week and every month, and they were adding up, and I did not give them permission to do that. They just started subscribing, and I cut it off. I said, no, 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 no. That felt so good to cut off. And I asked my wife, what else can we cut off? I cut our cable. I cut my kids. are like, oh, no, not the cable right now. How am I going to watch The Bachelorette, right? I cut our cable. I cut Netflix. Somebody say hallelujah. I, that's half of you. Now we know who you are. I cut more apps. Did you know I didn't know? But by the time I was doing all the cutting, I'd save $500 a month on things I had no need buying and didn't even know I was buying. You've got money. You just don't know where it's going. That's poor management. Then I looked a little bit closer and I realized, hold on a second. God doesn't just bless you because you give. God blesses you because giving is a part of stewardship and you're managing correctly. So then he gave me the scripture, and I understood it. God can't bless until you manage correctly. And the first principle of management is giving him his portion. The second one is managing the rest of the 90 and using it to multiply. And God began to talk to me and tell me again, 
That's why I could not bless, listen to this now, the earth with rain. What does rain do? It waters, it helps build, right? Rain brings a harvest. How many of you will agree with that? Rain brings a harvest, right? You know when God created the earth, he could not bring rain because he had not created Adam. It was just a mist that came from the ground. But once God made Adam and Eve, then he brought rain because there was someone there to manage the harvest. There was someone there now to manage the harvest. You know how many years we've been here? Over 10 years. You want to you want to know why we've been here for 10 years? I'll give you I'll give you four or five reasons why right now. Or maybe three, maybe two. I don't know where are the other ones at. Come here, Haley and CJ. Caleb, if you're in that office, you better get out of here, boy. You too. Here's what has occurred. For the past 10 years in this location, we've done everything right. Did you know that we tithe and we give out of this church to other ministries just like you do? I give my portion just like everyone else does. I have to tithe to everything. We all do it. But it's not because we have to. Most people don't understand why. You're under a new system now. You see, in the New Testament, I'm going to tell you, it, you don't see it in figure in the New Testament, but you see them giving the 90 instead of the 10. They sold everything they had. They reversed it in there. And now, I'm telling you right now, this is far better from a generous God. But then God told me, I can't bless you and begin to bless the church like I need to. It's not time because you don't have proper management. My, my, my other son, Caleb, is in here, but that boy's got OCD. The reason why this whole place is organized is because of him. The reason why we've got good leaders and good flow and good, good outreaches is because of this guy right here. The reason why we've got good marketing and good communication online is because of these two right here. The reason why we've got all these systems in place is because we've got the proper leaders. If you serve in this church, will you stand if you serve? If you're serving in this church at some capacity, you see... God can't bless you until you have people that can manage the blessing. So we want the church to grow. We want the church to be involved, to do something. You can stand on your feet. That's fine. You can do all this, but God won't bless you until you have proper management. Why? Because God isn't going to overload you with more than you can handle. The overflow comes in after you give out. That's the overflow. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm coming to a close. You can stay up here, Haley. Here's the closing thoughts for today. Write this down. When you give with the heart of worship, God breaks generational barriers to the high priest. In this new covenant, you have a high priest. The scripture says that if we ever step out of line with him and aren't doing what we need to do, then he will cease the rain, cause a famine, and he will send pestilence into the land which is the type of spirit, and troubles will come. But when we line up, you see, my tithe is tied to my heart because it's a treasure. But Jesus said, when you store up your treasure in heaven, the moths and the rust can't get to it. It's secure in him. This is one of the basic principles that's in the new covenant when Jesus has become high priest. And if Melchizedek could bless Abraham multi-generational times, then so can Jesus bless you. And you're not doing what you do through your time, talent, and treasure just because you're doing it. You're actually setting up a blessing for your future family members in this world. And you're positioning all of them, all of them already before they're even alive. That's what you're doing. Teach your children at a very young age how to do this. 
the giving principle. Tell them if they have a talent that they need to let God use that talent because he's the one that gave it. And whatever you give back to God, God will begin to multiply and God will begin to use it and God will begin to anoint it. If you've got time, I'm telling you, if all you've got is time, maybe you can't sing, maybe you can't play, maybe you don't know what to do, but your time is there. I'm telling you, God can extend that time and make it better. When you spend time with him first thing in the morning, he'll help manage the rest of your day and the rest of your week. This principle can be found throughout your life. But to some of you whom God has prospered financially, if you miss this, you're limiting the blessings in your life. You're going to limit the blessings of God in your life because there's protection in this. There are things that are there principle-wise. Don't ever hold on to something that belongs to God. Don't ever hold something in your possession that first belongs to Him. The first fruits of everything belongs to Him. What do you think we dedicate our children? They belong to Him. Children are just, really, we're just and taking care of them until we hand them over to somebody else. And then they marry. And then they move on. But while they're with me, I'm going to teach them how to pray. Use up their time right. Teach them how to go to church. Use up their time right. Teach them how to serve. Use up their talent right. Their skills, their ability. Teach them how to give. Take their treasure. Sow it into God so they can be beneficial. But if you're not being blessed and you are giving, it's not God's problem. It's a management problem. It's a management problem. See, that, that answers the question for a lot of people because someone's been told wrong and we get this blab it and grab it mentality and say, I'm going to confess this and get that. No, you're not if you're a poor manager. God blesses people who manage correctly. That's why God was able to bless Abraham and Jacob and all the patriarchs. Every sharp businessman, a successful businessman I know or woman, Every one of them give God the first fruits. Some of them have doubled that. But they not only do that, but they manage correctly. And I've seen God bless. It's a very simple principle, but this is what Hebrews chapter 7 talks about, our great high priest. And for us as Gentiles coming into this experience, we need a revelation. It's all about the heart. But you're not alone. You have access to the kingdom of God. God is real. What do you need in your life? Surrender to God and God will take care of it. Your lifestyle, what you do, let God be number one. Let God be number one and you're going to see a difference in your life. How many of you agree with this? Just say amen. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning? Here's the weekly challenge. Are you ready? Here's the weekly challenge. You see, you're, you, you tithe as God prospers you. So this week, this week, here's the challenge. The challenge is tithe this week as God prospers you. In any area of your life, in any area of your life, if you've been given some extra time, give God some time. If you've been shown something new, Give God praise first. Don't call somebody else and tell them thank you. Tell thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus, first before you tell anybody else thank you. If it's in your increase in finance, then give God the first portion because the first portion is first fruits and it belongs to him as he increases you. God will honor it. I want you to just receive this prayer right now. This is, a, this is something that has to be taught. I pray that God will give you a revelation and an understanding. Will you just bow your heads and will you close your eyes and just lift your hands or your hearts? Will you receive this today? Father, I pray today that this, this lesson, this lesson will be received by those here in person and those that are watching. That you, God, would give us a clarity and an understanding that we are part of a new system, a new covenant, and that we have a high priest. 
and that we have access and to the riches and the glory of God and that we, not only God, are children, but we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who have been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. And we accept the responsibility today. So today, Father, we pray, let a spirit of priesthood fall on us. Let a servant spirit fall upon us. Let us go in, Father, and I pray that people would begin to pray, God, continually as they let the incense of fire, God, and sacrifice go up into the heavens. I pray today, dear God, that all of our increase, that we would partake of the bread and all the increase of our lives and remember that it's you that provides for us. It's you that gives to us. I pray today, dear God, that you would continually let our eyes read the word of God and pray and get light into our life. David said that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So let the illumination of understanding come to our hearts and minds, dear God, as the priests of God. And we will give you praise, our high priest. In Jesus' name we pray and somebody say amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.